This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Tom and Warren on Joy. We're celebrating one year. Press my favourite button. Uh, yes. 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 <laughs> it's only about yesterday and all I'm going to do is say yes to everything. For most of us, last year's same-sex Australian marriage law postal vote was simply an unnecessary waste of taxpayers' money and many of us were frustrated why the government couldn't just get on with their job and pass marriage reform. And the national discussion and debate was challenging and resulted in an increase in requests for mental health support from LGBTIQ people. The vote unleashed smear campaigns against same-sex couples and their children, hate mail fear campaigns, violence. We even heard of dogs owned by LGBTI people being kicked in parks. During a parliamentary speech, federal opposition leader Bill Shorten directed his anger at the vote towards then-Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull, saying, I hold you responsible for every hurtful bit of filth that this debate will unleash. Well, it sure did unleash it. Well, today marks one year since the result of the postal vote. Federal opposition leader Bill Shorten was at the State Library when the result was announced, and he joins us in the studio this morning. Morning. Bill, good morning. Oh, great to be on your show. Fantastic to have you, and thank you for your time. Well, we know you're a very busy man. Oh. Bill, did you really think we would be here celebrating one year since the yes result? Mm, yes, I thought well, the, uh, the vote would be successful. But what I realised on the morning of the vote being declared was the amount of pressure that a lot of people, LGBTIQ people, felt... Because what it was is this silly process, which got the right outcome, I acknowledge, put a lot of pressure on our fellow Australians. And the pressure was this. All of a sudden, your relationships, your choices, were going to be the subject to an opinion poll of friends and strangers alike. Mm. Well, people who bullied us at school. That's how I looked at it. Those people that bullied me were going to now make the decision. It's just madness. Just, you know, my view is that people's relationships are their own business uh, and also under our system of parliament we make laws why is it that when it came to uh, gay people all of a sudden we had to have a special lawmaking process it just seemed to me uh, weak but having said that let's also switch to the positive I mean it was a hard right. campaign I mean I remember um, at the local theatre near where I live uh, a lot of the staff were wearing badges supporting marriage equality And there's a big intersection out the front of the road and uh, there was uh, school holidays and I had to... um, I was taking my then seven-year-old and her little friend to see a play. And there were some no-case protesters. Of course, it was my good luck to run into them because there weren't that many of them. But they were holding their wobble boards and their views. And uh, they started telling me off at more intensity... uh, you know, that my seven-year-old daughter would grow up to be a 17-year-old boy. And I'm just looking yeah, at this. outrageous. I, I did say to them, listen, you're the reason why the vote's going to go down, yeah. which wasn't necessarily diplomatic because um, they've worked. But that's hard not to when they're attacking your, your child. Oh, of course I, I, mean, I just thought it was wrong. Human. And so, and yeah. that was only a, a tiny taste. Yeah. I just mm. say it to just remind people that perhaps now as the memory recedes, people think it was all this sort of um, joyful process. It wasn't. No. But we got the right outcome. That day at, uh, in front of the State Library was awesome. Fantastic day. Uh, and, do you know, since then, uh, what is it, 5,420 marriages have occurred? That's good. 
Correct. We will be talking to someone later on to actually talk about the financial impact that marriage equality has had. You know, it's bringing yeah. more money. I'll tell you what, us gays knows how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to spend extra money on shoes, let me tell you. Bill, oh. originally the Marriage Act of 1961 had no definition of yeah. who could or who couldn't get married in Australia. Why was it so easy for Prime Minister John Howard to amend the Marriage Act mm. to prevent same-sex marriages in 2004, yet it took so much effort and this public survey to change it back? Well, good point. I think um, back in 2004, the then Labor Party in the Parliament felt a bit stampeded. So, yeah, I don't think they got that call right. Although people like Tanya and others, I think, registered their concern at the time. Um, It shouldn't have been as hard as it was. You're you're quite right. Um, Do you know there have been something like 20 changes to the Marriage Act, which hadn't required a plebiscite? No, no. (laughs) Anyway, so we get the hypocrisy of the process, but today's a good day. It's a a year on. You know, I always said to people, the the sun will come up, you know, the chickens will still lay eggs, the curtains won't fade, (laughs) cows will still give milk. You know, we're all going to realise once the votes happen in Parliament, what was the fuss all about? Absolutely. The sky didn't fall in. <laughs> no. but no. I mean, look, it was hard, and I'm going to say, you know, Wayne and I have been on TV on Gogglebox, mm. we became the poster boys for hate. We got so yeah. many private messages. But I had to realise that as an older Australian and an LGBTI, I had to take that on board for the younger generation, and, I, and we walked mm. through it very well. But I'm going to say... That night, what a relief. Because I was stressed. It was relief. That was the point. And and it was just... pressure was taken off your shoulders. You'd submitted your relationships and identity involuntarily to the opinion of your peers. Australia could have either made a fool of itself or not. And we didn't. Mm. Look, we are going to thank you for it. I mean, getting the Labor Party on board as well as the trade union. You you really guys coming out there, you were there at every rally. We saw you. Mm. It it made a difference to the average work in Australia. So, look, thank you for that. Well, I made the decision. uh, When they first proposed having the uh, plebiscite, I thought it was the wrong process. I thought it was an abdication of leadership. But then I thought, why on earth should we let some Australians go through this process on their own? Yeah. And so that's why we decided to strongly encourage participation because uh, we couldn't leave people on their own. Well, you are the leaders of the country and we do look towards Mm. Canberra to lead us and and thank you for standing (laughs) up and doing it. Occasionally we do. But, I mean, that's what we meant to do. That's what we stand there and do, you know? That's right. Bill, there's some significant issues facing the world at the moment, Mm. climate change being one of the biggest. We wasted over a year being distracted by same-sex marriage. What could could have been done quite quickly? You know, there's safe schools, keeping people in detention. There's other preoccupations of this current government. As a nation, do you think we fear change and have we dropped the ball, therefore, on major new economic opportunities that the rest of the world is developing? I think that we can miss out on what's happening around the world. You know, climate change and the investment in renewables is one example. But I think your question's going to a deeper deeper point. Is change too hard in Australia? And I don't think it is. I just think the uh, quality of advocacy's got to lift. The amount of preparation you put in the case must change must must improve. I think Australians are up for a vision of the future. I think Australians want to see their political leaders explain not only what we think we'll do next Monday, mm-hmm. but what do we think Australia will look like in the 2030s and 2040s. They don't expect leaders 
political leaders in this country to be in their lounge room, like, unlike Gogglebox, telling us what to think. <laughs> but they do expect us to be partners in the journey, to know where the future is and to help the nation navigate to it, make the big calls. Well, when, when you're, you know, the politicians are talking to the average person, we then feel part of the process. Mm-hmm. We then can move along with you. We understand what laws are changing, why we're moving in that direction. If we're just throwing stupid laws at us, we're, we're going to fight them back. Well, I... A good analogy I've always used, because when I was a union rep, sometimes we'd have to have change in workplaces, was quite often I saw corporate leaders say to everyone, so use the analogy of a railway station, you're at railway station A, and the corporate leaders would say, right, oh, to the workforce, you've got to get to railway station B. And then they'd hop in the train at the front and drive off, and the halfway between A and B, they'd look at and they'd see everyone else, the workforce would be back at railway station A, because no one had explained to them where they fit in. Yeah, okay, yeah. You've got to tell people where they fit in. Change is not too hard, but you do have to make sure that you don't leave people behind. And that's right. People Absolutely. are scared. And yeah. if, you, if you don't have an explanation for how you're going to educate the kids or look after the sick or um, deal with our environment or make sure that we've got economic growth, which is an interest of everyone, not just the lucky few, then people are going to say they're going to look for more extreme solutions and just say, no, we're not interested in this version of change, which doesn't have a p- place for us in it. No, and then we ended up with the, the extremist That's political it. parties mm. coming in who seem to be getting all the airtime. They seem to be the I ones mean, that cop it. Yeah. It's always possible to get airtime if you're willing to say silly things, but uh, if you want to have a strong, sensible, centrist debate, and this is what Mr Turnbull perhaps missed the opportunity to do, he came in with a lot of goodwill, mm-hmm. is you have to lead, but you can lead from the centre. You don't have to say extreme things to get things done. You know, but you've got to explain to people, you've got to think of... I think people are smart, and if you put the case in front of them, you say why you're doing it, this is where you fit in, this is where we're going to end up, this is what we want the place to be like. Yep. People, not everyone's going to agree with you, but most people give you points for trying. If people see a direction, they're happy. And that's what you said. You explain where you're taking us, why you're going. And if it's not going to work in 12 months, two years, three years, we'll reevaluate and move back through. We don't just well, we go... we set up the correct. National Disability Insurance Scheme when I was last well in done. government. And that was fantastic. But and it didn't exist before we got no. there. But I spent a lot of time talking to people with disability and their carers. And then we built up a coalition of people who really wanted to see a better deal. The actual politics of it was 5%. It's building up the community support for the proposition. Yeah. And Australia's always has been a country where we've taken care of the, un- the, the underprivileged or those who were unable to take care of themselves. It's, it's interesting. When you get off a plane at Tullamarine or at Mascot, when you come from overseas, whilst you've enjoyed your visit overseas, you know there's things about this country we're proud of, but uh, we don't, when we get back to Australia, when we're overseas... Do we talk about our Medicare system or our tax deductions? Well, we talk about Medicare. Of course. We, we talk exactly. about the wonderful things. We talk that about we a do. strong minimum wage. We don't yeah. talk about the top 2% of Australians not having to pay tax. It's, it's interesting what we're proud of. Bill, if elected, you've committed $10 million towards construction of the Victorian Pride Centre. Yay, yes. um, well done. You've also promised $600,000 towards building new digital studios for this radio station. Indeed. Yes, and you can see we've shown your joy is falling apart, <laughs> and I promise I won't spend that six hundred grand on my shoes. Do you? It will think, go to proper things here at Toronto. It mightn't be enough, I get that. So, <laughs> Do you think the marriage equality debate highlighted the need for such community outlets? More? Yeah, we've got to have more diversity in our media. Got to hear more voices. Mm. It can't just be the same old couple of large media companies in Australia. We've got to have more diversity. That's why I'm such a strong fan of the ABC. But I think your radio station caters to a market. It provides an alternative voice. And I think that's healthy. 
Definitely. And that's when you're talking about the ABC at the moment. I mean, they're in a bit of shambles. We, we oh, don't yeah. want to go near there, but... It's very important that that is protected because we all know as an Australian, we don't trust the other networks. We need an independent national broadcaster. And that, they were the most trusted the and they still in the are. country. They are, still are. Are we still trusting them? I think, they, I think we are, but I think some of the shenanigans at the top level mm. and the personality conflicts has left people disillusioned. But the way we will get around that is that we'll just go back to a more independent process to pick the senior leadership of the ABC. Politicians out, independent, transparent process in. You've likened political interference in the ABC to a dictatorship. Um, We're sick of the ABC bias towards play school, and we want Mr Squiggle back. Oh, really? You're getting that way? Yep, absolutely. Well... (laughs) Maybe we need to have a plebiscite. I don't know. No, let's waste some more <laughs> that's, that's That's an issue for a plebiscite. But I was reading this morning on the train that your lovely deputy, Tanya Plebisek, yeah. actually is putting through a Senate bill to actually trying to remove the discrimination for the religious schools. Yeah, she and uh, Penny and myself, we yeah. think that the time's come to revisit that. There's, There's been a... What's happened is that over time we've started to provide protection against uh, sex discrimination. Uh, what's happened is as the as that wheel has turned, there were still some exemptions to that law in place. One of them was schools. I think now the debate is coming, really, what's the point of having a, a clumsy mm. exemption? This is not about schools not being able to manage their employees, and that's fair enough. We're going to have proper consultation, proper chat with those bodies, but the idea that uh, you just rely simply on a, a crude, outmoded exemption yeah. to anti-discrimination laws is... It, it's run its race. Yep. Now I think we need to be smarter and clever and fairer. Well, we do need to do something because our now Prime Minister, what's his name again? I can't Scott keep Morrison. up which one we've got. Yeah, um, who promised that during the Wentworth election that he would have that removed within two weeks after that. There. It hasn't happened. Uh, well, maybe, but he hasn't moved the embassy either. So. No. So, I mean, yeah. as you are going to be Australia's next Prime Minister. No, we don't know that yet. Well, we're, well, latest, we're working latest, very hard in, on it. In the latest news poll, Labor is ahead of the coalition on a mm. two-party preferred basis, 55 to 45, meaning you and Labor would win any election held today. We've got Scott Morrison. He's got his bus up in Queensland. Are you going to have a bus with... Oh, we had a bus long before Scott had it, <laughs> and we've even been on the bus. You have been on the bus. <laughs> Well, that's really good, but... But we don't take this election for granted at all. We no, want no. to put forward positive views. We don't... Some people say, oh, the government's such a disorganised shambles, just sit back and buy a box of popcorn. But the point is that puts more pressure on us because people think the system's broken. Yeah. And they want to see us produce better policies and better ideas. So that's the pressure we have to demonstrate to people that politics can work in the interest of ordinary people. Well, you know what? I've put a bet on, on those one of those sports bets. So I mm-hmm. think I've got like a 1,000 or one. You, you have a different <laughs> person, Prime Minister that you'll be going up against. What's the bet that he'll still be there when the time comes? Oh, the place would erupt if they rolled him. But this is true. This is what we want to see. I didn't think they'd roll Malcolm, so what would I know? No. Bill, importantly, um, according to a La Trobe University study, 80% of homophobic bullying involving LGBTI young people occurs at schools Mm. and has a profound impact on their wellbeing and education, as you Mm. can imagine, yet alone the ongoing impact on their adult life. Will you be open to funding a National Safe Schools program again? We're committed to putting in place anti-bullying programs. Uh, Keeping kids safe shouldn't be the matter of um, the politics that it is. We'll obviously talk to everyone about what are the best programs, but we start from the position kids have got a right to go to school and be safe. And once that is your guiding principle, 
And by the way, most school administrators think that, and most parents think that. Yeah. I'm sure we can get it. I, I get frustrated by this debate that it's X, Y, or Z programs and they're all sinister. That's not right. The motivation for me, and I think 99% of Australia, is make sure the kids are safe when they go to school. And any parent will know it's not just uh, sexuality that can be bullied on, and we've just got to keep kids safe. Yeah. Very much true. That's look. Thank you so much for coming in and talking Absolutely. to us today. Super. Look, thank you. The money is fantastic. You mm. know, you've got my vote. Well, you've definitely got our vote. Mm, I mean, and it's not just that, but the Pride Centre is going to be a oh, very be important thing, and it's going to be long great. overdue. Yeah. Look, thank you so much for your time. Bill, thanks for your time this morning on this important one-year anniversary of the yeah, Yes good. Result. It's really good. And thank you for your helping. And uh, it was everyone. It was a collective effort. You're on Joy ninety four point nine. Yes, ninety four point nine. Wake up with Tom and Warren, Thursdays for breakfast on Joy. Tune in to 94.9 in Melbourne. Stream live at joy.org.au or download the Joy app. Available via podcast at joy.org.au on iTunes or your favourite podcasting platform. Joy Podcasts, where you want them, when you want them. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.